Welcome back to the Moms That Lead podcast and the second of our two-episode series on preparing for a new school year as leaders and as moms. As I mentioned on the last episode, times of transition like this provide a great opportunity for a restart, to look at our leadership and life goals, and to check in to see how we're doing and if we need to make any changes. But I don't know about you, but sometimes I dread looking at my goals because it's just a reminder that I didn't stick with what I set out to do. Sometimes it makes me discouraged instead of encouraged. That's one of the reasons today's conversation was so refreshing. In this Ask the Expert episode, I spoke with executive coach Jen Hope about how to set and stick with leadership goals as we in the U.S. enter into this new school year. The conversation was uplifting and jam-packed with practical insights on how to grow as leaders and as moms. From how to select appropriate goals by starting inside, how to walk that goal back to the micro-decisions that will help us to stick with it, how to give ourselves grace and reprioritize when necessary, and how to develop the habits and emotional resilience that help us to be healthy leaders and moms. I can't wait for you to meet Jen. But before we jump in, in case you're new here, let me introduce myself and the Moms That Lead movement. Are you ready to jump off the hamster wheel and finally listen to that voice inside that says you were meant for more? Are you ready to replace overwhelm with calm and clarity, self-doubt with confidence, and mom guilt with connection? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Moms That Lead podcast, where we know that moms have a unique ability to be world changers and that leadership is not about position. But instead, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, then you are a leader. I'm Terry Schmidt, your host and leadership mentor, determined to bring you the inspiration, motivation, and practical tips to help you live your best life. I'm a corporate leader and coach turned nonprofit founder. My family's journey to completing an Ironman triathlon changed my life forever, and I want to be your friend on the journey to gain the clarity, confidence, and connection that I gained from that experience. So if you're ready to ditch mom guilt and activate your strengths, let's jump in. Well, welcome, Jen, to the Moms That Lead podcast. I'm excited to have you here and particularly excited for our conversation today. But before we jump into that, why don't we get started with you? I'd love to just hear a little bit more about your journey to what you are doing today, your family, hobbies, et cetera. Just give it all to us. All right. Sounds good. I spent the first 20 years of my career working in marketing and led uh, marketing teams for high growth startups, particularly in the consumer space. Consumer tech is where I spent a lot of time building um, media organizations inside of companies. And I left that world eight years ago to become an executive coach, really working in the startup space, having lived that life and and been an executive in a startup organization. That was where I really saw an opening. I really saw a need. I saw a lifestyle that was focused on exhaustion Mm -hmm. and was really concerned and passionate about helping really people find the balance um, between their passion, which I in total support of, and then the balance of sustained productivity. And how do we do that in an organization where we're working on a runway and Mm -hmm. we've got VC backing and 
you know, tons of high pressure. And so that's the work that I do now. And that's the work that I've done for the last seven years. I actually started, I'm like a lifelong side hustler. I've always had a side hustle. And so I started my coaching practice while I was still working as a VP of marketing for a startup. And yeah, so like I gave you some indication of how my own exhaustion was going at that. Mm -hmm. But I have always been a lifelong side hustler before starting my coaching practice. And still until pre-pandemic times, I was a fitness coach. So group fitness coach. And I did that for almost 20 years. And so that's, that's my hobby outside of my professional life. I also get to be like a very, very unprofessional DJ. Uh, I think that's kind of what I really (laughs) want my side hustle to be is to be like a Spotify playlist maker. And then I got to do that in a, like in combined with like one of my favorite things in the world, which is fitness. And, um, outside of that, I am a mom and, uh, a partner and a co-parent. I'm like kind of a Peloton nerd right now. I got a Peloton as a part of this whole pandemic life. And I'm one of those people who's like curating their workouts and stuff. It's, you know, a lot like my playlist. I go deep. I go deep. I can't help it. That's just how it happens. So uh, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. I grew up in the Chicago area, spent a handful of years living in Southern California, went back to Chicago, went to college in Arizona, been in Seattle 10 years and or more than that now, almost 13. And so a little bit of West coast vibes, some Midwest soul, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel that Seattle is definitely one of my favorite areas of the country. So yeah, I love it here. Jealous there and, and love that you have the Midwest roots that I have as well. Uh, It's fun to talk to someone who doesn't make fun of my accent and my A's. (laughs) I love them. They're nostalgic and comforting to me. So please drop all the A's today. I'll be happy to (laughs) (laughs) call us back. That's my favorite one. My family, they leave me messages. Call us back. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing that. I I think your journey is evidence. Like you said, that, that which you're coaching people on is something that you have experienced just with having so many things going on at the same time, yet being able to pursue your passion and and move forward and help others do the same. I think that's amazing. I'm excited to hear some of the tips and practices that you really encourage your clients to employ when they are leading both themselves and others. So thank you for that. Speaking of leadership, what does it mean to you to be a leader? And what's your favorite leadership experience if you have one? I mean, being a mom is definitely up there, you know, like that's, that's the most important one because there is a person who relies on me to be my best self and Mm -hmm. the expectations I have for myself have changed even in that way where, you know, knowing that you've got someone watching every move that you're making, it, it just brings forth a different level of responsibility. And for me, that's what I've experienced. I think I always wanted to be my best self. And probably 10 years ago, I would have said I, you know, I valued health, but I think at this point I really value presence and peace and Mm -hmm. calm and kindness. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I get to practice and be very aware of how much I'm practicing what I'm preaching Mm -hmm. on a day-to-day basis based on what he reflects back to me. So, so I think that's, that's been probably one of the coolest experiences for me. What does leadership mean to me? I think it's some of those things that I mentioned, right? It's, it's presence, being present, right? And practicing self-awareness, practicing continuous growth and bringing that 
and skills to others being, you know, a gentle mirror to others and, and helping them see what might not be like, they might need that flashlight to kind of poke around Mm -hmm. in their mind to see what might be happening for them. I love that phrase, a gentle mirror. You hope, right? You hope. Yeah. Yeah, I I think we could all definitely use a gentle mirror every once in a while. And hopefully we have surrounded ourselves with friends and, and coaches and, and other leaders who provide that for us to guide us to be that person that we want to be. Yeah. I think the other professional leadership role that was really meaningful to me was working as a VP of marketing for VC backed startup and Mm -hmm. being, being responsible to a board, being responsible to a board of very experienced, very successful VCs Mm. and being the only woman who participated in those conversations, Mm. getting to work with folks, you know, who I have tons of respect for, you know, we worked, I I got to work alongside Rich Barton, who's the CEO of Zillow and Mm. founder of Expedia. and, And so some of these brilliant minds and, and getting to be having this awesome opportunity to be the woman, one, one of the leaders in the room, but the woman in the room. Mm-hmm. And that felt significant. Like I really, I remember those days. I remember practicing power poses in the bathroom mm-hmm. before I went into those conversations because I, I, f- I felt the significance of that opportunity and felt the significance and was glad to be there. I have a couple of questions related to that, but the first one, what would you say to other women who find themselves in similar situations where they are the only female presence there? Now I would say something so different than I said then, Mm. where now I expect it and would do it without surprise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this was, this is almost 10 years ago. And so I think I had a different expectation at that point. Mm -hmm. And so now that's a like, obviously, and we can do so much better. And, and at that moment, I think there was a celebration and Mm -hmm. that I think it would come differently at this point with a little bit of almost disappointment. If I was the only woman in that, maybe not even almost like disappointment Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and, and some consciousness about it and conversation about it. And, and in that moment, I think I had a different perspective. Hmm. I've grown, Hmm. I've grown since then we, I think my expectations have changed since then. Well, that's wonderful. We've talked also about, you know, the importance of growth and and moving forward. And I think that's evidence of that. And it also reminds me of an episode that we did recently with Sean Overcast on leadership presence and, you know, kind of tying in what you just said before about how being present is so important to you now. And you've learned that as a parent in particular, but we also talked about, you know, what leadership presence isn't, even though people think it's, you know, having that voice that you're projecting and and dressing, you know, in your business suit, it doesn't have to be that leadership presence is all about being present with those you lead. And so I heard similar themes and some of the experiences that you're sharing as well. I loved that episode, by the way. And I was really, really excited to hear the focus on the present part Mm -hmm. of it. And I think that would be part of what I would advise. I don't know if I even Mm -hmm. use that word, but advise others to do is to be present, to focus on authenticity, to focus on being ourselves and doing our best to avoid putting on the expectations of others. Yeah. Those would be, you know, a few tips among, among so many others, but setting, you know, having the expectation that of course you would be there and that we need even more women there. Of course, that is the expectation. 
Right, right. And I, I think that's what leadership sometimes comes down to. Well, not necessarily comes down to, but I think that's one of the key elements of what it means to be a leader is that you're, you're authentically putting yourself out there and you're, you're facing that fear that may come along with that. But I, I heard a little bit of that when you were talking about being a parent and having to be the best person you could be. So it's, you know, putting yourself out there, but also making sure you're continuously reminding yourself of who you want to be in that, in the different situations and working toward that when you're not quite there yet. Yeah. Adding into that with kindness. Mm-hmm. Yes. With grace. Oh, and yeah, exactly. Yourself exactly. Grace and exactly. Kind of related to that, you know, we're at the beginning of a new school year in many parts of the U.S. Sometimes that's a time to almost like the New Year's time frame, you know, when people come up with New Year's resolutions, but it can kind of feel like a fresh start and time to reexamine our goals as moms and as leaders. Where do you think moms should start when they're going through that process of looking at what they want their goals to be and kind of doing that fresh start? I love this question because it, it, it ties back to something that I'm passionate about, which is understanding behavior and how behavior is really kind of that leading indicator for how we, how likely we are to reach our goals. Mm-hmm. And I think it also ties to systems because, and that's also something that I, and, and structure, those are things that, you mm-hmm. know, I, I bring with me from 20 years in marketing, which is the data. And I know you have a, mm-hmm. a shared, a shared interest in data. So I think one of the things that I point to and point clients to is the idea of a work back where Mm -hmm. we start with the goal. And if we have a goal of X, what are the behaviors and that coming down all the way to like micro decisions. So when Mm -hmm. you make the micro decision to stay up until 1130 binging, whatever show you're binging, how does that then affect your next day? Right? Like pressing play or pressing Mm -hmm. next episode. Mm -hmm. Does that affect the the day that is ahead of you? Or Mm -hmm. if we don't, I don't know, putting our tennis shoes out the night before our workout, right? Like mm-hmm. all of these small pieces, even how do we prep ourselves for a conversation or prep ourselves for the day ahead? Those are all micro decisions that we make. And over time, they, they get us to either get us to get, a, get us closer to, or get us further from the places that we want to be. Mm-hmm. And so I really get into to that, to the minutiae of what are you going to say or not say anymore? What will you start or stop doing? How do we really get into what does it even sound like in your head? And how will that be different six months from now, a year from now, three years from now, five years from now? And what are those decisions that you have to make? Like if you want to be at X number in your savings account, do the math. How do, what do we have to put there 52 weeks from Mm -hmm. now to get where we want to be? And I, and I try to look at it that way from for our professional goals, for our personal goals, the same way. I love that. I think anytime, you know, all the books that I've read on, on habit and, yes. you know, building habits, it's, it, it is all about those, those small steps about the, the big goals, but then, you know, that, like you said, the micro decisions that, that go into those. Can you think of an example of either someone you've worked with or just a hypothetical example of, that walk back you were talking about, starting with that goal and then examples of all the way back down to those micro decisions that would need to be made. Yeah, for sure. I have a client in mind that we've worked on their feelings of frustration 
with a process and the culture of their environment. And they notice that they have reactivity about it, criticalness towards themselves about, hey, we're not moving as fast as I want to be. And, and because they feel critical with themselves, there are times when their reactivity can be reflected outward. Mm-hmm. And so the process here is I really would like to start to shift some of this internal reactivity. And that boils down to conversations about, I got this email. The next thought I had was, Mm -hmm. and then really creating behavior change around it. And then I got up and I did an emotional lap around the room (laughs) and I, and I shifted the energy a little bit, or I walked away or I know even just noticing like, Oh, I am tense. My jaw is tight. I am clenching or, I noticed my shoulders hunch forward or I start mm. to puff up in the back, right? Like a, like a frustrated cat, you know? And, and, and those are the pieces that we really start to understand. So we can say, I got this email. And at that moment, instead of doing anything else, I sat with my breath. Mm. And really in that moment, I took three deep breaths and walked around my office and got a new fresh water and really started to like change my body temperature or change my mindset. So we're really building skill, truly mm-hmm. like stress, to- stress tolerance mm-hmm. skills, right? Or even some of this emotional intelligence around what am I thinking? What am I feeling? And that's the work back. That's, that's all the way from, I would like to feel less hot, you know, as a leader frustrated and it starts all the way at what am I thinking? What am I feeling? I got this email and now I've, you know, I'm at an 11. (laughs) That's so important. So you have that overall leadership goal of being less reactive, less frustrated, but then building in that self-awareness to, okay, what, what are the steps that lead me to get to that frustrated place where it is coming out and not just staying within me? You know, staying within is just as bad probably. (laughs) Um, But as a leader, you definitely would prefer that not to come out as well. So recognizing what's going on inside of me and then what, what can I do to work with those triggers in a way that it can have a different outcome and I can achieve that leadership goal. For sure. For sure. And create some kindness, even and empathy for ourselves in that moment. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, really frustrated right now. This must really mean something to you. And there's something here. Are you experiencing shame or are you afraid? Right. And really creating that nest like we would as a mom Mm -hmm. for a kid to land with difficult emotions, like really creating. And I use this, this kind of visual a lot of like the nest to land even for ourselves, right. Where like, what kind of softness can you create for yourself? What kind of tenderness can you create for yourself for those difficult emotions? And, and that's just an, you know, that's a, that's one step in Mm -hmm. that long, bigger goal, finding some tenderness for reactivity. Like if we can all do that, like, good job. (laughs) Especially I feel in the last year and a half, almost, almost two years now, all the challenging situations that we've been faced with, I think that reactivity and frustration is probably something that we could all put on our, our goal list as leaders. And I've heard of the importance of welcoming the emotion as it comes to you. I love what you said about, I am frustrated. You know, that must mean that this really means a lot to me. So it's what is that positive and what you might perceive as a negative emotion? What's, what's the positive reason 
behind that. I think that is part of giving ourselves grace as well, because you're recognizing that there's a reason for that. And it may not, you may not want to hold on to that emotion, but there is a positive reason behind it. And this is some of the greatest tools that I've learned from like therapists that I've worked mm-hmm. with who are like, if we are whack a moling our emotion or like beating ourselves over the head with why do you feel this way or don't feel this way? Like we are not working. It's not working in our favor. Right. right. And, and so I think that's, that is something that has helped. I mean, I'll say myself personally, like mm-hmm. so much to find kindness in those moments where I'm really struggling. Mm-hmm. Like that has been truly life-changing versus the frustration with difficult emotion. Like, mm-hmm. oh no, like now we're like, now we're in tailspin, right? Like, let's right. just say it. Like we are tail spinning on frustration with ourselves about frustration. Oh crap. Like now <laughs> that, this is, this is bad news. <laughs> yeah. That's, right? that's not where you want to be as a mom or as no, a leader or. <laughs> exactly. 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 So yeah. The nest, the softness, the, you know somebody who cares a lot. I think I have a lot of empathy for caring mm-hmm. a lot about professional pieces of life, personal pieces of life, like that so much empathy mm-hmm. for that position. Speaking of empathy, I know one thing that I sometimes, you know, get frustrated with myself is not being able to make progress on or, or stick with a goal. And I know that's a common just cultural thing almost in terms of like we talked about before, New Year's resolutions become a joke. But what would you say the keys are to ensuring that we actually make progress on the goals that we do set if we're setting new leadership or parenting goals at this time of the year? Yeah, I mean, I think this points to some of the systems and structure right? mm-hmm. that I think we, there are, there are some folks and this points to the work of Gretchen Rubin. She has that whole analysis about like how essentially how compliant we are, right? Are mm-hmm. we rebellious? Are we compliers? How do we comply? When do we comply? And I think there's some elements of that that are resonant in this where there are those of us who, if we set a goal, we just know that like, that is our style, right? we're going to show mm-hmm. up, we're going to do it. We don't need external accountability. Our internal accountability is the only drive that we, we really need. For others, that is not the case, mm-hmm. right? For others, if they set that kind of structure for themselves, they are for sure going to buck that system because they want none of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so even knowing our behavioral styles or our compliance styles, I think is really helpful because it creates, again, another level of accountability where some of us like really thrive in that kind of structure and others, it feels like you're putting us in a box. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think knowing your preferences there and Mm -hmm. then creating it. So if you, obviously I'm a coach, so I have so much bias here. And, and there's also so much privilege in being able to bring a coach into your life. Now that is not the case for all of us. And for, Mm -hmm. for some of us, we may need to find ways to use a calendar. Mm -hmm. That's a tool. That's a free resource that's available to us. So we can start with a goal and know that every six weeks, we're just going to check in reminder to open that digital note on your computer, right? Mm-hmm. That says, this is where I'm headed. And we don't need every step. Some folks don't need every step of the way, right? Mm-hmm. For other of us, we want to check the box, right? On the sure. list. But having that system that says six weeks from now, six months from now, one year from now, I'm going to open this document. You know, it's mm-hmm. on my calendar. It's in my Google calendar. There's the doc with the link, make it easy to just go check in and see how I'm doing. And then it really is the daily piece. 
Do you have the daily step that says, here is the 15 minutes for the walk that is going to get me to the three miles that I wanted to walk at the end of the year, right? Mm -hmm. So does it start with the five minute? And if you don't do it today, then what's your backup plan, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't do it today, then if it's not Tuesday, it's Wednesday, right? And, and if it's not Wednesday, then we're never going to miss two days, right? So mm-hmm. then we're going to like, okay, then it has to be Thursday. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and, and then being flexible enough to live in the gray mm-hmm. where there are other things that may come up and our priorities may shift. And the thing that was the top of the priority shifts because personally something changes for us mm-hmm. and we have to have the kindness for ourselves and the grace for ourselves to say, that is not, that can't be the priority mm-hmm. right now because X or Y has taken over and, right. and that is okay too, right? Like mm-hmm. that is life. That is life. Mm-hmm. And there is no reason again to like whack-a-mole ourselves about a priority change. Mm-hmm. So I think kindness, some structure, some mm-hmm. systems, even, even external accountability mm-hmm. is really key if that works for you. And mm-hmm. so the squad the, the moms, the other leaders, the leaders that you work with, the leaders that you work for sharing your growth path with them or development plan, sharing what that looks like. So others can participate, encourage. And that, I think that for some folks that feels really scary when we say that piece out loud, like speaking it into existence, because then we are accountable, but such a great tool if we can kind of get past Mm -hmm. how vulnerable it feels. And if you know that you have people that are going to be as kind to you or, or be that gentle mirror, like you were talking about before, mm-hmm. you know, they they have the kindness that you mentioned is important to have for yourself. They have that for you also, but are also there to help encourage you to, to keep moving forward on that goal. So what I'm hearing is basically know yourself, know how much structure, what kind of systems might work for you. I also think the importance of knowing why that even is a goal for you, the why behind it, just so that you can come back to, like you mentioned, I love that you said having the rule of, you know, not missing two days in a row or, you know, some way that you can work some grace into it. And also knowing when priorities shift and you might need to let it go or reframe it or change it a bit. But if you know that why behind the goal, you can also then know what you might need to change it to, to still make progress. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know this is something that is such a passion for you Mm -hmm. or on purpose, right. And getting to that place of understanding so much of this, like truly why it is important. That's one of the pieces that I bring uh, into like goal setting sessions is this idea of why, and really like taking, it's almost like, I think, and I'm sure you do this with with folks as well, but like taking a three-step why, Mm -hmm. like, why is this important? But really, why is that important? Mm -hmm. And why is that important? And I think that, you know, that the number of times, although we can feel like we're having conversations with our children, it really does get us to, I think, a few layers deeper, right? True to truly what's what's there underneath. And I know you talk about values as well, and and understanding how it ties to those bigger picture values. Mm Mm-hmm. So you mentioned your passion for fitness and being a fitness instructor. So I wanted to ask you, because I know often our goals, we do have health related goals. So if we want our goals to help us become the best leaders and best moms that we can be, where do you see that health goals fit in? This is a tough one for me, honestly, because coming from the world of fitness and especially Mm -hmm. the world of fitness that is 
in so many ways changing for the better currently. Mm -hmm. There was so much messaging around shrinking particularly for women. Mm -hmm. And so this is, it's a, it's a bit of a hot button for me. It's Mm -hmm. a, it's a bit of one of those areas where I get a little bit fiery. And so I challenge myself. I challenge women around me to be conscious of how much our health goals tie to shrinking Mm -hmm. or again, kind of whack-a-moleing our body. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I personally choose an intuitive eating approach. I personally choose an intuitive movement approach Mm -hmm. for my life. And so, and that has been the most productive and effective Mm -hmm. for me. And that's not, that's not to say that is the right tool Mm -hmm. for everyone, but that's, what's worked for me. It's helped me to really tune into intuition and tune in to kindness and tune into some of the gray Mm -hmm. where like sometimes this, and sometimes that, and some, you know, and, and, you know, some days it's chocolate cake and some days it's a green salad and those, and all of those are encouraged and, and some days if it's a great hefty workout and some days it's a very gentle yoga or mm-hmm. no workout at all. And a walk with my kiddo and, and all of that is included in like this quote unquote healthy. And even that even health being a privilege because it isn't necessarily acceptable or the priority or can be the priority for folks. So what, what does it really mean? I think it starts with like, can we all breathe for free? And like, have that be the place we start. And can we take a couple of minutes to sit outside? Like Mm -hmm. if that is health and those are your health goals, like Mm -hmm. let's start there. How do we train, you know, work with our brain chemistry to do the thing that is going to be the most supportive for that day. That's where I start, which may be not a great fit for everyone, but that's kind of where I try to work from as a starting point and start from that again. Like I'm probably... I'm repeating myself here, but kindness again, as a place to yeah. start and, and sensitivity to our bodies and our minds. And again, knowing, I guess two things, like you mentioned, knowing, you know, what your definition of health is. And I, I kind of synonymously use that with wellness, but knowing what that means for you and before you embark on those health goals and also knowing why you want to make progress in that area. Yeah. And what is it? what is it truly about? Mm -hmm. Is it about, I think for some of us, it can be about movement to be present. Mm -hmm. It can be movement to support our mental health, Mm -hmm. right? These are all things that like we have the science to know that that is a starting place for our overall well-being. And like Mm -hmm. you, I I do really like that term of of like wellness, well-being and can't, is it a tool that we're using to support us? Do we have a tool kit outside of that, right? We Mm -hmm. need probably more than that. We probably need to spend time outdoors if, if that's available to us and supportive. And, and then what are we doing? Is that journey to well-being supporting also our mental health? Mm Because I think that is one of those places where does it start from a place of wanting to just feel good in our mind, in our body? Like then it's that same process again. What's the end goal? Is it presence that you can find through yoga. And we work back from there in the time increments or the kind of, of workout that you're looking to do. Is that a great hard, fast run? Cause we know that that's bringing us the endorphins that can mm-hmm. help us fight depression and anxiety. Like, cool, let's do that. Right. And mm-hmm. can we work walk all the way to a run like doable? If we do that, that work back approach from 
a five minute walk, you can, we can become a runner. Should mm-hmm. we, should that be where we want to end up? Right. 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 Yeah. So it's a, a similar approach to what we were talking about before with any kind of goal is like you said, starting, starting with that end and, and walking back to what are the daily micro decisions that need to be made. But before even doing that, knowing that that is a goal that's worth having and understanding why it's worth having for you. I think it's oversimplified in the way that we talk about it, maybe. Mm -hmm. And that that is not an easy behavior change to make. And so I think setting the intention like to change our habits takes effort and it really is a lift to do something different while that may seem like we have so much inertia like driving us in the the pattern our brain loves the patterns right Mm -hmm. our brain loves to do things in the same way we do of course we love to grow and that creates you know a lot of great little neurotransmitter hits for us Mm -hmm. however we really like inertia as Mm -hmm. well and we like to keep doing things we've all the way we've always done it so from from a behavior change perspective, starting, right? Like getting started, inserting a new habit. This is where like, I love the work of James Clear Mm -hmm. because he talks about behavior stacking, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to drink my coffee and then put on my shoes and walk outside. And it Mm -hmm. has to be that clear, right? We need, we need that kind of like insert new change here, Mm -hmm. that trigger, right. And even Mm -hmm. having it, you know, an environment for change, because it is that it is that challenging. We, it is that hard to wake up today and do something different. Definitely. I think why we're all attracted to times of fresh starts, whether that be January 1st or the start of a school year is we feel like maybe that's a time where resisting that inertia might be a little bit easier that you have that kind of internal accountability that you can look back on the calendar and say, yes, I did this, you know, all the days of January or all the days of September, but it's still, like you said, a very tough thing to do to, to break that inertia, to change your behavior. Yeah. And I think maybe even too, like, if there's a bunch of us doing it at the same time, mm-hmm. right? Even True. just the knowing like that, you know, there, that we're thinking about it and that there are others, right. I'm grateful for you doing this right now because it's like, okay, well, at least we're talking about it. Maybe there's others who are thinking the same way. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. The community aspect to it can be helpful as well. Well, in your work with female leaders, speaking of breaking that inertia, what would you say some of the most common roadblocks are? And and I'm sure some of these are similar for male leaders as well, because most of our audience is female. I'm, I'm curious if you've seen any differences that people encounter in achieving leadership goals. For sure. For sure. I think, you know, one of the places where I have the most data is in one of the tools that I use, which is a leadership Mm -hmm. assessment tool. And we do like a 360 and there's a self-assessment and it's one of the like really interesting points of data for me is the areas where, and this is true. This is true for, for all people where we can be so critical of ourselves Mm -hmm. and the way that we're rating ourselves in our leadership competencies and our reactive tendencies can be so different from what others are seeing on the outside mm-hmm. where, you know, our own perception of our strengths, our own perceptions of our liabilities are pretty inaccurate. Mm-hmm. And I do see this a ton with women where, where we are, 
very generally female leaders not giving ourselves enough credit. Mm -hmm. And so that's that. And and there's so much to that. There are our family systems. There are the narratives that we've been a part of. There are the other, the, 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 all of the systems that we've been a part of and our own fear really Mm -hmm. getting in our way. And, and the way that, you know, we have, we all have different styles of that fear and that reactivity showing up, but really being able to see like, what are the areas where we've got great strength is, Mm -hmm. are we great relationship builders? Are we, you know, very high achieving and, and in generally we've got a strength on one side or the other, or we're balancing that with a ton of beauty and a ton of grace and, and are, are super effective in, in balancing both. And I think that's one of the places where I feel so motivated to help people see the data. And it's one of the reasons I love working with tools like that, because we have something so concrete <laughs> that says like, here's you giving yourself a 50 and others giving you a 95, right? Mm-hmm. Like, come back to this, look at this. And this is, you know, that's one of the, I love a tool like that because it gives us something to look at, to say, where do we get to ease up? Right? Where do we get to, you know, insert nicer voice here, right? <laughs> instead of, instead of that critic that sits on our shoulder to give ourselves like a, a tiny, very authentic cheerleader who's got mm-hmm. real information and real information and real data points mm-hmm. to say like, he's up a little bit. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's to me, that's one place. Again, I think some of the authenticity shows up here where we get a little bit held back. Pleasing can be a big part of what shows up in, and this is for all people, right? We get in, we get into to group dynamics and there is a need and a want to please and be liked and comply and do things right, which can hold us back, which can, you know, keep us in kind of a conservative approach. So yeah. Like our reactivity shows up in lots of different ways and it's, it's about knowing what that is and, and doing our best to work with it. And how does that, you know, whether it be not giving us ourselves enough credit or some of the others that you mentioned, like the, the desire to please, how have you seen those derail goals then? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's really interesting that one of the tools I work with is called leadership circle and their mm-hmm. part of their study is on the correlation between their, the 18 leadership competencies and reactive tendencies. And one of the things that they have found is passivity being the most negatively correlated to leadership mm-hmm. effectiveness. Hmm. So things like that, where we can start to understand that compliance, while truly is a gift, right? It comes from care. It comes from awareness of others. It comes from a relationship-based mindset, but it can actually really hinder our leadership effectiveness as far as achieving results where we are more concerned with pleasing or belonging or being conservative and being safe, right? You can imagine mm-hmm. the brain really wanting mm-hmm. to be safe. And that actually hinders our ability to be strategic, mm-hmm. to lead from a place of purpose and vision, mm-hmm. and truly to get through like to decisiveness because we're so held back by almost scanning the environment, mm-hmm. which, you know, like, let's call that what it is. It's a coping skill and it's super valuable and it Mm -hmm. does keep us safe. And we know, right. The research will tell us that, that that's a really important skill for us to have, but overused, right. Doubled down. It becomes 
a liability and mm-hmm. can get in the way, I think, of where we really want to be, which mm-hmm. is on kind of the opposite side of from compliance, which is this kind of achieving task focus. Huh. Very interesting. I'm sure we could dig into that for, <laughs> for a much longer time. So totally. We'll have to have you back on to, to talk more about that because uh, that's, that's fascinating. Your, your answers may be the same, but as we do have those in our audience who are leading in a workplace where obviously they're going to have responsibility for helping their teams to set goals, what are some behaviors that a leader can make sure that they are incorporating into their leadership to help their team set and accomplish goals? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm so lucky in that I, I've been able recently in, in like through the pandemic really to work with leaders who are focusing on helping individuals develop prof- mm-hmm. personally, which is professional, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, really honing that self-awareness piece where, why are we, in what areas are we trying to grow? Are we talking about, you know, technical skills? Are we talking about building expertise or gaining experience? Are we talking about the leadership side of our skill set? And that starting with things like behavior, how, Mm -hmm. what are, not to nerd out again on assessments, but I Mm -hmm. use a a disc behavior assessment. And it Mm -hmm. really, I think we talked about that and I know this is something that you've worked with too. So what are our behaviors and what are we really trying to change? So helping as a leader to help folks get back to, again, what is that stop start? What is that area where when we look forward six months from now, what does this person do not do? What, if we're talking about building technical expertise, what is the box that gets checked of mm-hmm. this parent, this person now has experience with X or Y, right? And this is the same thing kind of, you know, we can do this with our kids. Like, did we give them the experience to do X and Y over the last six months? Are they building skill? Are they learning about resilience? And, you know, I I hear my kid reflect back to me, like we can do hard things. And I'm like, yes, okay, that's (laughs) sticking, right? And and so, you know, that's that's like, okay, you know, stop, start, right? Did did he start saying this? Like, okay, sounds good. Like, you know, I'm, I brushed myself off when I fell down, like, Oh, okay, cool. Like we got resilience. Like uh-huh. those are things for me. And it's even the same things kind of with our team, right? We can mm-hmm. hear, are we building some of that resilience? Are some of that resiliency? Are we building teams that are comfortable with, you know, we did this and it, and it didn't work or we, this is what we learned. Mm-hmm. Right. And are we hearing that in our environment? Are our folks using new language? Are they, are they using new, new skills and how do we gently again, hold them accountable for that shift? Yeah. It just as simple as, like you said, six months down the road, you know, start, stop. What, what do we want to be seeing? What do we not want to be seeing? Because I think really anyone can answer that for themselves. And I think having, like you said, via the assessment you use that the 360 view is even more helpful. You know, if you can have a conversation with obviously at least the 180 with, you know, your view of the start stop and their view of the start stop. I think that can make those goals so much more meaningful and therefore so much more 
likely to be accomplished. Yeah. Well, there's a question um, on this season of Moms That Lead that we ask all of our guests. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. And that is, what's the one leadership lesson that you feel most passionate about passing on, whether that be to your kids, to your clients, to anyone you're leading? What's that one leadership lesson you feel most passionate about? I think truly, if I really kind of took it highest level, it is this building a skill set for difficult emotion. I think that really like the biggest leadership lesson for me is really understanding our emotion, like from a starting point, like what, what, what are they? Let's find names for them. Mm-hmm. And, but then really building a toolkit for managing difficult emotion. I think there's, there has been you know no time more complex than right now to be a leader. The responsibility of being a leader is going to come with moments of pain and challenge mm-hmm. and having a skill set to manage that for ourselves so we so we can be present and by that i mean not trying to numb right because it is it's going to be painful like our life mm-hmm. is going to have highs and lows and when it's low it is i think tempting to try and get rid of that pain and mm-hmm. we all do it right we all this is we we get to that point and and we need a break and to live your best life to have the most impact. I think you really, really need to have a toolkit for managing your, your own emotion. Mm-hmm. 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 It's just in, I think in that ideal scenario, this starts at a very young age for our kids True. where that is this moment where we have this opportunity to show them like feelings come and go. And the more we ride it out, the, the better off that we can be. And if we can start young versus picking up whatever tools we learn along the way from mm-hmm. our environment, we can set them up too. And so for me, that's the, it's the kind of intersection of, of professionally being a leader. And then also this, this, this personal familial responsibility. I, I, I love that because of the fact that no matter how much we want to shove pain away, I mean, I think you hear a lot of talk about wanting to avoid failure. And well, why do people want to avoid failure? Because it's full of pain. (laughs) It's full of negative emotions. But you also hear that failure is where you learn the most. And I think the same thing, if you have that toolkit, like you were talking about, to be able to handle difficult emotions, that's where you can glean some value out of that painful time, out of that tough situation that you're in, if you're able to manage the emotions that come along with that, you can get some value out of it. You can learn from it. It may be something that you never, ever want to repeat again or have anyone go through ever, but maybe you were able to get something out of it. Well, thank you so much. Like I said, there are so many topics I think we could speak about for a much longer time, but we're going to close it there for today. But I'd love to hear from you if our audience is interested in connecting with you and learning more about the work that you do, some of the assessments that you mentioned, where's the best place for them to go? And what are some of the things that you offer? Yeah. So like I mentioned, I do a lot of assessment work. Mm -hmm. I do this work with teams taking the behaviors assessments and things like that into organizations and, and helping folks really find empathy and connection and wellness. And then I also do coaching. So I do one-on-one coaching, executive coaching. I run a six-month program as a starting off point. Lots of clients stay much longer than that. Mm-hmm. And we build this assessment work into the work that we do together, going all the way into behavior change. Places to learn more about me, I'm Hey Jen Hope, all the places. So I'm HeyJenHope.com. 
Instagram.com, Hey Jen Hope on Instagram and LinkedIn as well. Excellent. And it's always nice when you can keep it easy. <laughs> exactly. Well, there's, a, there's that marketer in there somewhere still, right? <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, we'll make sure that everything is linked in the show notes as well so that people can find you easily. But thank you again for being on today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And I look forward to talking to you again sometime in the future. Thank you. Have a great one. See, I told you our conversation was jam-packed. Here are the takeaways. Number one, to stick with goals, spend some time looking inside to first, get to know your preferences for accountability. Do you need a detailed plan or just a quick check-in? And second, to really understand your why. Why is that goal important for you to accomplish? Number two, surround yourself with gentle mirrors. Those people who can keep you accountable to becoming the leader and mom that you want to become. Number three, do a goal walk back. Set the goal and then walk it back to the smaller goals and even the micro decisions that you'll need to make each day to make progress on that goal. Number four, just like for any other goals, make sure that you have a clear understanding of the why behind your health and wellness goals. Then pick activities that align with that why. And number five, building a toolkit to handle difficult emotions is one of the most important things we can do to ensure that we are able to be healthy, present leaders when difficult times come. As we all know, they surely will. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to check out Jen's work at heygenhope.com And stay tuned as we continue to build this community dedicated to unlocking the leadership power of healthy, purpose-driven moms. And as always, until next time, lead with love.